Well, amen, amen. Good morning, everyone. Uh, we're so thankful that you are here in person. For those of you who are joining us online through our church family, we're so thankful that you're here. I am so excited because we begin a new sermon series that is titled, Your Grace is Enough. It is based on John Wesley's, you know, prevenient grace, justifying grace, and then sanctifying grace. So in that order, we're going to start today with prevenient grace, and then next week is justifying grace, and then we're going to end on the 22nd, which is the weekend before Thanksgiving, uh, with sanctifying grace. But before I continue on, I do uh, want to continue to keep my word and continue to provide you with our latest updates as we pro uh, receive the estimate of giving cars for 2020. If you look up on your screens, this is what we have so collected so far. For 145 pledge cards for a total of $703,900. We are on our way there that we allow for our programs and ministries, our staff, our utilities, and everything else that take place to happen in 2021. If you don't know what those cards look like, they look like this. They are in the back of the sanctuary. If you didn't bring one in today and you still want to um, provide that estimate of giving card for 2021, please do so. You could also do it electronically through our website, there's actually on the top uh, part of our homepage, there's a link that allows you to go and do that electronically. We're so excited, and I know that we're going to continue throughout this month receiving them, and I know that thermometer that you saw there is just going to burst. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm praying for and uh, allows for our staff to, again, do what uh, they feel God has placed in their hearts to accomplish in the upcoming year. All right, as I mentioned to you, ladies and gentlemen, we are in this series, Your Grace is Enough. Let me give you a little background about John Wesley. John Wesley is a historical founder of United, uh, the Methodist movement. Uh, he was one of 19 children. God bless the mother, the uh, mother Suzanne, all right? <laughs> and one of his uh, siblings was Charles Wesley. That name should be familiar with you because Charles Wesley was a hymn writer, and uh, it's reported that he has written over 6,000 hymns. Over 6,000 hymns, you may know some of them, like, for example, the Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing, or this coming season that's going to be an Advent and Christmas, a Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and many others. But I'm not going to go down that list of 6,000. If you're interested, go ahead and research it yourself. But we think about grace. Grace represents love, uh, represents mercy. It represents a welcoming uh, a part in the midst of God that he provides as a free gift. In our minds, our human minds, we really can't comprehend what God's grace is all about. So John Wesley was able to provide us, you know, like anything else. If you see the overall picture and you have uh, problems fully understanding it, you take it in parts. And that's what we want to do in these next three weeks regarding grace. So John Wesley, again, today we're going to be dealing with prevenient grace. So what is prevenient grace? Well, the word prevenient is actually comes from the Latin word of um, prevenire, uh, which means to come before. Now, yesterday I had the privilege of going out to an Italian restaurant with uh, uh, several folks. We had a great time. An Italian restaurant, last night I went home, and as I was looking over my sermon, I'm thinking, what's the pronunciation, the Italian, of this prevenire? And uh, it's prevenire. Prevenire. All right? So, so, you know, have you ever I've really, truly been with an Italian family, especially those grandmothers that just do everything by hand, and it's like, Mwah, it's so good, this cheese, tortellini, this ravioli. <laughs> <laughs> 
reason why I say that, I pray that at the end of this sermon, especially when it comes to the prevenient grace, that the prevenience, uh, prevenere, is so good for you for you to understand God's grace. The coming before. It is coming before knowing the relationship that you have with God. The relationship before you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is prevenere, the coming before. So why do we need prevenient grace? We need prevenient grace because of the original sin. Now, I don't have to go all the way into the Old Testament, the beginning of the, of the Bible, the Word of God, but I want to bring you into the book of Romans, chapter 7, beginning on verse 13. Here the Apostle Paul is talking about God's law as revealed, that God's law reveals our sin. Beginning on verse 13, I'm reading from the NLT version, so if you have your own Bible, it may be a different translation. But the words will also be up on the screen. Verse 13 says, but how can that be? Did the law which is good cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. And the trouble is with me, for I am all hu too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself for what I do, what is, uh, for, excuse me, I, for what I want to do is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with, that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is a power within me that is at war in my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Let me pause there for a moment. How many of you, without raising your hand, have struggled knowing what, what it is right to do, and, but you still do what's wrong? You're not the only one. I just read a passage regarding the Apostle Paul to the letter of the Romans Seeing that struggle, there's a war within us. We know what's right to do, but we inevitably do what's wrong. And you have probably fell into that temptation there before, knowing what's right, but you do what's wrong. And what happens is that we, uh, it causes that natural original sin in our lives, and then we want to uh, continue living life with this feeling of guilt and condemnation. But I love how uh, chapter 8, verse 1 and verse 2 says, So now there is therefore now no condemnation 
for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Why do we need prevenient grace, the original sin, in our lives? There, sometimes we feel there's a constant battle within our minds on a daily basis. But you know, for most of us, you know what's wrong when you know what's right. Meaning that struggle is you won't know what's wrong until someone um, puts it in front of you saying, you're doing it wrong. If no one brings it to your attention, you're going to continue living life thinking it's okay until the good law or the good that God provides for us and the free gift that is available to us. We may not fully understand it. Let me give you an example. Hopefully this helps you out. Years ago when I was still served in the military, I was going through a military base. I won't name them. I won't name the base, but what I was doing is as I pulled in from the main street into the base, there was a sign that said mile, uh, 25 miles per hour. And I'm sure that those of you who are drivers, you understand when it talks about the speed limit, right? And, and that you really stay true to your speed limit, right? Now, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but you know what's right. So all of a sudden, I, I go through the, through the, the base, Remembering that it's 25 miles per hour unless otherwise posted. I kept on going. I go to the top of the hill. I go down. And you know if you've gone to the mountains, you just let it coast. So I let my, you know, I took my, uh, my, uh, my foot off the brake and the gas, and I just let it coast. And wouldn't you know it, an MP is right, right there parked. And so I looked down, and I was like, I'm not going that fast. You know, I'm, I'm good. Okay, good. I'm good. When you know, I, I stop at, the, uh, at, the, at the, uh, the stop sign, I make a right, and I hear, whoop, whoop. Many of you know that sound. So, <laughs> so, so I pull over, pull over, and I'm thinking, okay, what's going on? You know, I know I wasn't speeding. And, of course, the question comes about, do you know why I stopped you? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, it's... He says, you were going 28 on, and I'm thinking, oh, come on. <laughs> Three miles per hour over the, uh, this is my mind going through as he's saying it, and the officer says, you're going 28 on a 15. And I'm like, what? I said, officer, when I came in, there was a sign out there that said 25. And he goes and says, yeah, I've told our, our boss, you know, that's confusing here and there, but... I got to our 28, and inside, it's all right here, is 15 miles per hour. I didn't know that it was wrong until, you know, someone tells me that's right. But I didn't stop there. I went and uh, went back to my original base. And for, and for those of you who remember these big old cameras that had these what they call VHS cassettes, Plugged that baby in there. I felt like one of those reporters going in. I grabbed it, you know, and I have this big old box on me. So it was funny because I went back to that same military base, and you see the car slowing down next to me, thinking that I was probably doing, you know, uh, seeing how fast they were going. Or maybe a TV news camera, because that thing was so huge. But it was to record from the very moment that I came in until I was able to stop to show the judge that I was going to be going in front of to let him know that there was no other sign other than the first one that was there. Now, of course, I went in before the judge, 
And if you're interested in knowing the result, please email me. All right, so. <laughs> but we know what's right, okay? We, don't, we won't know what's wrong unless we see it. In our sinful nature, we won't know that it's wrong unless God puts it by the word of the living God, the living word in our lives saying, that's wrong. The way you're treating somebody, that's wrong. But you won't know unless you take that time to fully understand God's free gift. You know, the same John Wesley, I want to go back to him for a moment. He was ordained a priest in 1728, and it wasn't, and then he had his whole struggle as well. He came to the United States, came back because of the failed missions and things. But guess what? In 1938, about uh, 10 years after he was ordained a priest, one of the things happened. He attended an Aldersgate meeting, and someone was reading the, uh, the preface of the, uh, the epistle of Romans, and John Wesley wrote this in his journal. While he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. This is the same John Wesley who wrote then about the prevenient grace as recorded in his sermon number 85 when he said, prevenient grace includes everything from the very first wish a person has to please God to the very first insight a person has concerning God's will. And through this to the first sense, be it so ever so shallow, the person has of acknowledging their participation in sin, the great flaw coming to, common to all. Human brokenness in which we all sinned against God. We need that impriveneri. We need that prevenient, the coming before, that grace, because all human beings are sinners. The sin is a fatal spiritual disease that we cannot cure. If it not were for the miracle of God's grace, the free gift to us in Christ Jesus, sin would always, always lead us to death. Please join me in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. This is a message, you know, the, to the Ephesians as made alive with Christ. The Bible says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. 
But God, oh, I love this here, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, for none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Oh, the prevenient grace to know that what the, the grace that God has provided us before we've come to know him, that way when the time comes that we believed. God knows everything about us, but despite all of our flaws, God loves us and wants a relationship with us. I won't take credit for this part here, but I've heard it before. Someone had broken down grace with an acronym saying God's riches at Christ's expense has nothing to do with the good that you do. Sometimes people want to pay their way into salvation based on the good that they do to others. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you right here, right now, that all the goodness that you have, our own righteousness are like filthy rags. And the only way into the Father is through Jesus Christ. The only way. That way, we're not trying to take credit for the grace and credit for the salvation that leads into it as based on that verse 9 when it said, salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, prevenient grace. Again, the grace that comes before we even commit to God. God sends his Holy Spirit to work on us uh, through the, uh, the people, the, the experiences and circumstances in our lives so that we will get to know him. He works in our lives, again, preveniently, in anticipation in our relationship with God. John Wesley used an analogy, I'm going to ask them to put it in the middle screen, of a house. When you think about grace, Think about the porch in the, in the front of the house that it even allows you to know that there's a God's house in there and you are, go, you are invited. However, before you even go through the door, which next week we're going to be talking about justifying grace, even the opportunity of going to the porch to know that God is welcoming all of us, that opportunity of prevenient grace, knowing that we can step up even at the porch, that even though we're not worthy, God has provided us an opportunity to go to even that porch because of his son by invitation, never forced. Let me explain a variety of ways this grace can work in our lives. In John 6, verses 44 through 47, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. 
And the last day I will raise them up, as it is written in scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father, for only I, who was sent from God, have seen him. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. If anything that you are, uh, before you believed in something, it, you came to a point to do so. In parts, sometimes. God's methods may be subtle or dramatic, but they are all designed to lead us to him. There are many paths in a sense to salvation because we all have different journeys, but along every one is the Holy Spirit urging us on. The Holy Spirit can speak to us, through difficult or tragic circumstances in our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 9 through 11 says this, Now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because of the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to love, to have, so that you, so that, excuse me, so you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but, wor but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Just see what this godly sorrow produced in you. Such earnestness, such concern to clear yourselves, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, and such a readiness to punish wrong. You showed that you have done everything necessary to make things right. It's another part of the Bible that we are not to be conformed by the things of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds the prevenient grace in our lives. You know, I have come to know several people and throughout my life that they have shared with me that they, they lost a loved one or their circumstances or difficulties in their lives that resulted in them coming back to the Lord. Giving all that anguish and guilt and condemnation and bitterness and hatred and anger and put it on to the, uh, giving it to the Lord... Sometimes in our circumstances, we do. We actually reevaluate our lives saying, God, I can't do this alone. I've tried everything. So God, in the midst of that, less, uh, 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 less of me and certainly more of you. Another way of prevenient grace uh, works in us is through our parents and our relatives and friends. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Eunice. And I know that same faith continues to be strong in you. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but I remember without my knowledge, my mother was always praying for me, especially during my teenage years, because I would get into the wrong crowd sometimes. 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 But then I would, I'd hear how much she prayed, and not only that, then my grandmother, would, uh, one of those faithful prayers, those prayer warriors, would pray for me. So sometimes when we think we're standing, we're standing firm, it's not really because of your doing, but you're standing on top of those who have kneeled to pray for you. 
And yet another way we experience prevenient grace is through the body of believers. That is the church. Before I read this scripture, which is found in Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16, I want to share with you, if you are here for the very first time, you've never gone into a church, or that you are nominal, like the, the relationship with God has really been distant, and you've been here, but you have not given your life to Christ. For those of you who are watching online, and this is the first time you're hearing a message like this, you are experiencing prevenient grace. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16 say this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. They will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body, the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. The prevenient grace before you got to know Christ, before you were baptized, before you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, the prevenient grace happens when we have a Sunday school. In our church is the Kidman program. And from the Kidman program, you go into the Apex Student Ministries. And after Apex Student Ministries, how we continue to learn and learn and learn what the, what the Word of God is. And therefore, when the time comes for us to receive our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into our hearts, it's not based on anyone else's decision but ours. We learn about that through our life groups, by serving in missions, through worship service, as we give all and continue to learn, and by move, the movement of the Holy Spirit, that even though we're many members, but we form that one body. Having Christ as the head of that body. Think back, ladies and gentlemen, of how you came to know Christ. Was it through somebody praying for you? Was it somebody that invited you to come to church? Was it through remembering what you learned in Sunday school? And even though you didn't really understand it there, you remembered back, and that was prevenient grace. All through the journey, the Holy Spirit was working. I'm going to end with this passage here, 1 Timothy Chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, This is good and pleases God our Savior. Get this, ladies and gentlemen, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have not given your life to Christ, this message, if anything, is that God wants everyone to be saved. You know that I love to say another day of life is another day of opportunity to make right what was wrong and to also come before the Almighty God. You are experiencing prevenient 
grace. We are to put God first because he put us first. He gave us his son, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. For those who believe it should not perish but have everlasting life. Within the three weeks of this, uh, of this series of Your Grace is Enough, this is one of the ones that I really connected with because, God, how can you love me before I even knew you? And I had to answer that question within myself that allowed for me on my own, not my grandmother praying for me, not my mother praying for me. It was my decision to accept Christ into my heart. It hasn't been easy. I still got to pay bills. I still got to go through situations, the ups and downs, but it's to make us stronger, to be more and more like Christ. That prevenient grace that God provides for all of us. Let us pray. Dear God, I want to thank you for providing us with grace even before we got to know your plans for us. Thank you for providing us with enough time to come to you and accept your gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Nothing that we have earned. Salvation that we cannot pay for. We want to thank you for another day of life, which is another day of opportunity for us to turn back to you because you want everyone to be saved and understand the truth. As Jesus, your son, our Lord and Savior said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one shall come to the Father except through me. Thank you again, God, and I pray this in the sweet name of Jesus. Amen and amen. May God bless all of you.